Welcome friends to another r slash nuclear revenge video. While these stories are explosive, the only thing I want to see exploding are those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Amadeus. Proof of a boss was eliminated during party. This is a story a colleague told me a few days ago. He's an older fellow who's not shy and quite proud of his labor-intensive work background. My colleague was a seaman in his youth, working on ships from Oceania and Asia to South America, etc. He worked on several ships from different companies and countries, but after he married, he quit the sea and now works as a security guy in some lame office from 9 to 5. This event happened in the 80s, in Oceania, where he was working on a fishing ship with a crew of 35 to 45 seamen. About 15 of the seamen were from the same country as him and others from neighboring countries as well. But the bosses were from the parent company. Amongst all the bosses, the vice manager is the biggest jerk. He has anger issues, repeatedly bullies workers, and even assaulted them from time to time. If a worker wasn't fast enough, he'd often hit them on the head with an iron tool. All of the workers did wear hard hats, but... Even so, it was also common for this vice manager to fight and smack workers who didn't dare to challenge him or even fight back. Again, the workers spoke different languages and were working in the middle of the sea, far from land. After several months at sea, almost everybody on the ship has been harassed by the vice manager, even OP who's a quiet person who doesn't talk a lot. For some reason over the last week, however, vice manager kept messing with OP every chance he got. OP never complained when there was work to do and never failed to do it, which made him liked by the other managers. Vice managers seemed to dislike that a low-level seaman was liked by the other managers and even the captain. During the harassment, vice manager kept complaining about OP's work, hitting him on the head, cursing, spitting, and trying to start fights. He even accused OP of stealing some cigarettes and ship supplies. That, however, didn't get anywhere, as the captain and other managers sided with OP. This harassment went on until OP finally got to the point where his blood was boiling, and he really wanted to smack vice manager without telling anybody. The revenge? One day, the ship got a big catch. So the whole crew worked hard and called it a day. These ships usually don't work the day after a big catch, as their storage would be full, and everybody had worked hard the day before. Usually there'd also be a party on the ship. They'd gather in the common room, singing, eating, drinking, a lot of drinking, till they drop. This is important later. Vice manager got drunk and started harassing others and saying crap, screaming, etc. But with everybody being drunk, it was nothing weird. OP, however, seeing how drunk vice manager was getting, decides to hint obviously to vice manager that he needs to pee outside that night. So he tells everyone that he's going to the loo and heads out to the deck. Vice manager obviously sees him and tries to follow him secretly to the deck so nobody knows. OP knew that vice manager would follow him, but acted like he didn't know that he was followed. So vice manager would keep following him to the side of the ship on the back. When he got to the back rail, OP acted like he was peeing on the deck when suddenly vice manager attacked him from behind with an iron tool. OP saw the attack coming and fought back. Now they were both punching and hitting each other on the deck. One thing important to remember here is that OP didn't get drunk at the party like vice manager did. So, unlike Vice Manager, OP still had full use of his abilities, making the fight very one-sided. When OP had beaten Vice Manager halfway to the ground, he grabbed Vice Manager's shirt and trousers and threw him to the ocean in the middle of the cold night. OP spotted Vice Manager's shoes lying on the deck where they'd fallen off during the fight, 
and quickly threw them to the ocean too. He returned to his room, panicking, shivering, and tried to sleep as the ship kept sailing that night. The next morning, the crew went back to work as normal, and OP returned to his work as usual. By 10 a.m., one of the other managers is looking for vice manager but can't find him, so he reported him missing to the captain. No one could remember seeing him after the party, and he wasn't in any of the rooms, so the ship was brought to a stop and the crew was instructed to search for him in every corner. OP even took part, even though he knew he was never to be found. Everybody was questioned on his whereabouts except OP, as he was less likely to know or even have anything to do with him, especially as he was considered a quiet man. The captain also took into account that everybody was drunk that night, especially vice manager as he was known to be a heavy drinker, so the captain assumed that vice manager might have fallen into the ocean that night on his own without anybody knowing. The crew continued their work that day, and the captain might have reported to shore about the missing vice manager, but that's it. Ending without vice manager on board, working conditions were a lot better. No harassment, no bullying, nobody fighting, and all of the seamen were happy vice manager was no longer there. Man, do you think what OP did here was okay at all? Like, the vice manager did attack them with an iron tool. You could say it was self-defense, but was it ever necessary at all to throw them overboard? Is this one of those stories that kind of leaves a little bit of a pit in your stomach too? Let me know what you guys think about both those things in the comments down below. Our next story is by Michael Gale 33 Don't mess with someone whose friend has ties to the mob. This is a story that's been told to me by mother about her father and his friend's family back in the mid-60s. Now a bit of background here, my grandfather and his friend were childhood friends and were as thick as thieves. They both were first generation Americans to Polish immigrants and both had jobs at the local water treatment plant. They were inseparable. They lived on the same street, took vacations together, went bowling every week, and did whatever else average Americans in the 60s did. Hate communism? Watch Gilligan's Island? This was true for their kids as well, who were for the most part all around the same age late teens to early 20s, except for my mom who was 8 at the time. One Sunday, when the friend was supposed to come over to watch football, he failed to show up. His friend was always punctual, so this got my grandfather very concerned. So naturally he called his house to see what was the matter. His friend was inconsolable on the verge of tears. This alarmed my grandfather because this guy was a World War II vet who saw a lot of battle and never showed his emotions. My grandfather quickly found out that the reason was that early that morning, he found his eldest daughter on the front porch badly injured. She had recently broken up with her fiancé and had went over to his place the night before to get some of her things. The two of them got into an argument which escalated him into beating and assaulting her. After it was over, she just walked home in shock and, since in her state, had left her keys at his place. She sat on the porch until her father woke up and went out for the morning paper. My grandfather was fuming over this and asked them if they had called the police, to which his friend said that he did and there was nothing they could do. He explained that the ex had a rock-solid alibi from all of his friends who said they were out drinking that night. When you combine it with them having a publicly known falling out, him being the son of a city councilman and, well, it being the 60s, the cops pretty much shrugged and did nothing. Now, even though my mom was so young, she still to this day remembers how quickly he turned from anger to emotionless and almost robotic when he said that, I wouldn't worry about it, meaning the investigation, 
These things have a way of working themselves out, and then saying he would call him back later. My grandfather then told my grandmother, who was in the room, and very concerned, that he needed to go run an errand. An hour later, he came back as if nothing had happened. A few weeks had gone by, the friend's daughter was slowly healing, but was still in a bad place. The friend was still trying to get something done with the case, but kept hitting a wall due to who the guy was. One day, my grandfather suggested they all go to the state fair, which had just come into town, to take their minds off of the incident. His friend didn't want to, but my grandfather insisted saying that he would even pay. So they all went to the fair and had a pretty good time. The entire time, my grandfather insisting on taking group photos together. He even bought several souvenirs for the kids. My mom got a teddy bear, which she still has. When the day was over, they drive home where they then find a couple police cars in front of the friend's house. The cops were looking for the friend and immediately started asking him questions as soon as he got out of the car. It turns out that the morning, as the ex-fiance was going for a walk, he was jumped by two large guys who proceeded to throw him in the back of their car then dump him in front of the local hospital three hours later with every bone in both legs and arms, several ribs, nose, and jaw broken. Now it's at this point that I should mention that my grandfather was a high-ranking member in the local labor union at a time when the mafia had serious ties to it. We've never been able to confirm it, but had always suspected that my grandfather had some friends who the FBI were interested in. So as the police questioned my grandfather's friend on his whereabouts that day, my grandfather interrupted to tell the police that they were all together that day. He gestures to the souvenirs and even says if they'd wait an hour, he'd have the pictures developed that he'd taken throughout the day. Eventually, having nothing to go on, they left and nothing ever came of it. My grandfather's friend just looked at him in disbelief and before he could even say anything, my grandfather just said, you know, the crime in this city is getting worse by the day. He then patted his friend on the shoulder and smiled at him. His friend then gave him a big bear hug. He thanked him for their day at the fair and called it a night. The two of them stayed friends for the rest of their lives and never spoke about that day again. Fortunately, the friend's daughter was able to heal from the attack and later got married and had a couple of kids. She's still friends with my one aunt and is doing great. Now occasionally, my mom or one of her siblings would ask my grandfather about the incident and he would just say, that was such a terrible crime. I hope they catch whoever did that before changing the subject. While I'm not 100% if all of this is true, my mom and two aunts have all separately attributed the story to the same wheelchair-bound local guy who's very weary anytime he sees any member of my or the friend's family around town. While I'm definitely not advocating for what happened in this story, it's nice to know that some people have your back. All I can say is, it's pretty apparent what the deal was here. If I was the friend in that situation, I don't know how necessarily I would feel about it. Having experienced your own child having gone through that, maybe that rage that you felt inside you, honestly, maybe it did make the whole thing worth it to them. One thing's for sure, they now knew to never mess with OP, or their family, or their friends. I'd stay best friends with OP's grandfather for the rest of my life too if I witnessed that happen regardless of anything. And our final story of the day is by just a faceless Redditor. You break my glasses? Have fun with your remaining ear. For context, I was tall for a fifth grader, but I was a friendly giant type. I wasn't violent, though I had anger issues. They usually came out as a verbal berating of whoever had attracted my wrath. I was the kid that made teachers go to the counselor in tears but that made me an easy target for bullying. 
They wanted a reaction without the threat of violence. As for the incident, it was during gym class. We were wrestling and it was my turn. Since I was in a weight class of my own, I won almost every time. Some of my bullies didn't like that, so two of them wrenched my arms out from under me while I was in a match, and a third did a John Cena slam onto my face, breaking a $200 pair of prescription glasses. Probably should have taken them off, at least that's what the bully's parents said when they refused to pay for them. My mom decided to punish me by taking my personal savings. I was going to buy a PS3 at the time. To pay for new ones, I was pissed. This was completely ridiculous. They assaulted me and I was being punished for it. That was three years of savings down the drain. So I went up to the kid the day after and I told him to meet me behind the school to settle this. He and his two cohorts came and I told them what happened. They realized how much money I lost and that 5th grader honor rules were clear that a behind the school fight was necessary. So I told them it was 3v1. If I won, they would pay me back. If they won, I'd never eat them out for the crap they pull in the future. So we went at it. I rammed the main kid into the wall and headbutted him, causing a bloody nose. He punched me and I got swarmed. I was busted up pretty badly, but so were they. It ended when the leader tried to bear hug me to the ground. In my adrenaline-fueled rage, I bit him. More specifically, I bit his ear, tearing most of it off. Everyone froze at his scream of pain. We ran to the nurse, temporarily calling truce, as you do in a situation, and we got an earful about fighting. The mother wanted to press charges, but the bully admitted to instigating the incident, so it was a case of self-defense. We all got suspended. The bullying never stopped, but when it got too much, I would begin to walk forward and no matter who it was, they'd run for the hills. My nickname for the next two years till I moved was Feral. Big giant towering OP doing a one-on-three fight. They bust up OP pretty good and OP channels all their rage into the ringleader. And what does OP do? If they can't channel Mike Tyson in their punches, they'll channel Mike Tyson in a whole new way. Honestly, I just feel bad for OP because they went through all this stuff, probably got in trouble again, got called feral for the rest of their days, and were still out a $200 pair of prescription glasses, had to pay for the replacement, and OP said that they never got that PS3. Honestly, at that point, I'd just keep that kid's ear as a souvenir. Okay, you know what? Okay, probably not. That's kind of gross. But still, screw that kid, man. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.